Hi there, this is Derek Dunning. As you probably know, the Hour of the Dead is currently on um, hiatus. In the meantime, we are playing some of our classic episodes. Tonight, as it's almost Christmas, we're taking you all the way back to December 2012. Keep checking that clock, folks, as somewhere it's the Hour of the Dead. Derek Dunning's Hour of the Dead. Hi there, and welcome to the Hour of the Dead. We are your ghostly hosts this evening. My name is Derek Dunning. And I'm Trev Carlyle. You know, Derek, I just wanted to say a big thank you to the thousands of people who have tuned into our little show over the past three months. I have to say, I am overwhelmed by the response we are getting. That's right, Trev. Without you, our trusty nighttime listeners, we would be nothing. Nothing, I say. <laughs> now, we can ignore it no longer. Christmas is upon us. And we have done very well up until this point in keeping it at bay. I get very angry, Derek. Very angry when I see the shops putting their Christmas stuff out in October. Very angry, indeed. I know that, Trev. Try to calm down. Which is why we have waited until now to open our horrific hearts to the most wonderful time of the year. And let's face it, Derek, Christmas is an inherently supernatural occurrence, even putting aside all the religious stuff. You've got a geezer who has been around for at least 175 years, if not 1,000, so he's either immortal or he's undead. And on one specific night in the year, he breaks into everyone's home and eats their food. It's flicking creepy is what it is. Well, you're forgetting about the presents, Trev. What about all the presents he brings to all the boys and girls of the world? But only if you've been nice, Derek. What strange omniscient power does he have to know the sins of all the children on the earth? It's godlike. And then he judges them. Who is he to say what is right and what is wrong? What moral system does he ascribe to? So, while Trev wallows in his own cynicism, it's time for the Big Dark Horror Corner. The Big Dark Horror Corner and yes, horror and Christmas do go together. Just look at that quintessential classic by Dickens, A Christmas Carol. It's actually not for the faint of heart, especially if you are like Scrooge before he is visited by his ghosts. You don't believe in me. <laughs> I don't. 
Why do you doubt your senses? Because a little thing affects them. A slight disorder of the stomach makes them cheat. You, you might be an undigested bit of beef. <laughs> a piece of cheese. A fragment of an underdone potato. There's more of gravy than of grave in you. Whatever you are. Yes, the whole ghost of Christmas yet to come is chilling. What with the ghost actually being death and the random killing of small lame boys called Tim. But Derek, you are forgetting the undisputed best Christmas film ever. And what might that be, Trev? Die Hard, of course. Hardly a horror film, Trev. But definitely worth an honourable mention. Now I have a machine gun. So although not a horror movie, it does have plenty of blood and violence. So to John McClane we say, Yippee-ki-yay, Mother Christmas! But what about a real lineup of top Christmas-themed movies for you to curl up with on Christmas Eve? Trev and I have put together a list of our favourites that range from the classic slasher to the campy horror comedies. Does that have a name? Like a single word name? What do you mean? Like rom-com is short for romantic comedy. Oh, right. Oh, I don't know. What would it be? Hormody? <laughs> Homedy? Horrody? Horrody. I think it must be Horrody. Although none of them really sound right. Right. Sorry. So, to the list. Yes, the list. We start with one such example of Horrody from 1984. Gremlins. It is at its heart a Christmas film with the Mogwai Gizmo himself a Christmas present from father to son. The town that's about to be overturned by the evil gremlin Spike and his friends is set up to remind us of It's a Wonderful Life. Gremlins is full of cartoon horror violence with a satisfying story which places Gizmo firmly in the lead hero role. An absolutely perfect film for the horror fan who wants to feel the Christmas spirit rather than having it subverted. Although, who can forget this? It was Christmas Eve. I was nine years old. Me and Mom were, were decorating the tree, waiting for Dad to come home from work. A couple hours went by. Dad wasn't home. Mom called the office. No answer. Christmas Day came and went, and still nothing. The police began a search. Four or five days went by. Neither one of us could eat or sleep. Everything was falling apart. It was snowing outside. The house was freezing, so I went to try to light up the fire. And that's 
when I noticed the smell. Firemen came and broke through the chimney top, and me and Mom were expecting them to pull out a dead cat or a bird, and instead they pulled out my father. He was dressed in a Santa Claus suit. He'd been climbing down the chimney on Christmas Eve, his arms loaded with presents. He was going to surprise us. He slipped and broke his neck, died instantly. And that's how I found out there was no Santa Claus. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, for our next film, we have cheated a bit with our premise. It is not set at Christmas. It's not even Christmas adjacent. But it does involve It's a Wonderful Life as a key part of its plotline. Or should we say, It's a Wonderful Life. Yes, okay, but if you haven't seen the film before, you are really not going to get that reference. And the film is The Exorcist 3, or Legion, as it should be called. It is the real sequel to the original film. The Exorcist 2... The film that must not be named. Okay, calm yourself there. Exorcist 2 is a pretty divisive film, which tends to be hated by fans of The Exorcist. Anyway, The Exorcist 3... It's written and directed by William Peter Blatty, based on his novel called Legion. It is a masterclass in slow-burning tension, leading to shocking payoffs. Twisted religious imagery and disturbing flashed frames make this film entirely creepy. I have dreams of a rose. Falling down along the flight of steps. And it's got Brad Dourif. So say no more as far as I'm concerned. What about his accent in Lord of the Rings? A small misstep in an otherwise brilliant career. I love me some Dourif. So, for a heady dose of religion, tension and dread, our second pick is The Exorcist 3. What is the next one, Trev? Our last suggestion is a classic, or rather THE classic, holiday slasher movie. I am talking, of course, about Black Christmas. This 1974 film does seem cliched if you watch it now, but always bear in mind that this was a film ahead of its time. Released in the same year as the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and four years before Halloween, this film literally began horror tropes that we now take for granted. Isn't this the first time we see the call is coming from inside the house? I believe so, yes. But careful of spoilers, Derek, please. The plot revolves around a group of college women in their sorority house 
For 1974, these characters are incredibly well written, with most of the male roles becoming foils for these progressive women. Olivia Hussey plays the main protagonist, with the always wonderful Margot Kidder hamming it up as the drunken Barb. Oh, we love Margot! Yes, she is an ever undervalued actor. And props also go to Marion Waldman as the comical house mother. She provides a contrasting relief in the midst of all that tension that actually ramps everything up a notch. As you just heard, the phone calls are legit terrifying, and the one we played there was the tamest. Please do not watch this film if you are not into extreme profanity. So that is our final pick, Black Christmas. The 1974 version, not the 2006 remake, which was a much more run-of-the-mill affair. Although, as a matter of interest, Andrea Martin, who plays Phil in the original, stars as Mrs. Mack in the remake. And we will be right back after this. Welcome back. We have opened up the phone lines now, so if you have a supernatural story to tell, a ghost tale to share, or simply want to wish us a Merry Christmas, please call in now. Our new producer, Barry, will let you know if he's going to put you through. Uh, we've got Teresa like what? And she'd like to speak to Trev about the Wheel of the Year. Hello, Therese. You are on the air with Derek and Trev. What have you got for us this evening? Trevor, at last, I was destined to speak with you this evening. Do I know you, Therese? Not yet, my love. Do you know what time of the year it is, Trevor? Yes, well, of course, it's Christmas time. Mistletoe and wine, eh? It is not Christmas time, Trevor. Not in the real scheme of things. 
This is dark Yule. The time when the sunlight finds it the most difficult to illuminate the earth. It is when the holy spark within us all is at its most hopeless. The time when we are the most prone to the masks around us. Are you talking about Wicker, Therese? <laughs> no. No. But I know you once believed that, Trevor. I know you once followed the path of the full moon, naked in the wilderness. I know you did, Trevor. <clears throat> okay. Uh, Therese, we will have to leave it there. Here is wishing you a very merry you Christmas. You have been gifted to me, Trevor. You will see. In time, you will see. Right, okay. Tis the season to be jolly, right? Or a little bit out there. But we love it all, listeners. The weird is the wonderful. Barry, do we have our next caller? Hi there, this is Al Ashworth, creator of the Strange Circle podcast. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and invite you to visit the Strange Circle website for more facts, stories and clues. I would also be very grateful if you could rate and review, especially on iTunes. Have a very Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Thank you.